0: This is The Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Rinella. In this episode, I talk with Mark Norquist. If you know anything about me, you'd guess that I'd have to severely bend my will to remain civil with Mark Because R3 is in my top 5 list of most hated things. Right below Curry. And my wife's half inch thick cotton side pocket sweatpants. And Mark is the founder of Modern Carnivore. A gosh darn confounded for profit R3 company. Turns out it was quite easy to keep my cool with Mark. Because he's a charming and very likable fellow. So with that. I'll dispense with the preliminaries and give you Mark Norquist. Okay. So I'm here with Mark Norquist from modern carnivore. Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me on, uh, the podcast. Um, well, I'm a Minnesota guy. Uh, I've, um, you know, been in the outdoors, a big part of my life. Uh, love the outdoors and, uh, Professionally, I was a marketer and a, and a media guy for, for a long time doing corporate stuff. And about 10 years ago, I made a decision that I um, wanted to do something more meaningful than, than just uh, helping companies sell more cars or get more uh, more credit cards uh, in, in people's wallets. And so started doing more work in the outdoors. And so uh yeah I got uh, my wife and I we got a couple couple young kids here in in Minnetonka where we live and uh try to get them outside whenever we can and and I I would say from from an outdoors perspective I'm very much a generalist I'm an outdoor generalist I'm not a I'm not a, one of those guys who goes headlong deep into one specific area so I like exploring and trying new adventures and things like that Yeah I'd say I'm much the same a little
0: little little bit of some things and a lot of some things I guess for me but right um, at least at the bare minimum a little of everything everything from mushroom hunting to uh, fishing for panfish is one of my favorite things to do and then I spend a lot of time in the mountains with my pack llamas in the fall. Um,
1: yeah absolutely that's great so
0: um, and tell me about your your company.
1: So uh, modern carnivore is a um, it's primarily a digital platform uh, and community to engage uh, adults in a conversation about the outdoors and specifically foraging, hunting, fishing. Um, and, and, and the purpose of it is is to really create an opportunity to knock down barriers to entry for someone who did not grow up with those activities. So somebody like you or I who grew up with it, there's just a natural uh, inborn understanding that was nurtured from our earliest days by our fathers. And um, a lot of that tradition uh, has gone away. I talk about um, you know, sort of a gap generation or two here in the 20th century of where we got pretty far away from the land and you know we're continually getting more and more urban centric in our in our populations and uh and so a lot of those a lot of those things that we just learn from our from our our, our parents or our uncles or our, our friends um they they aren't there and so you know, we do a lot of a lot of things from we do you know we've got a blog we, we use food as a starting point for the discussion, which is, you know, really tapping into people's interest in having a good meal, maybe having something that was sourced locally, maybe something that's a little bit unique and different. As, uh, you know, we found it's a pretty universal thing most people eat. And so uh, using that as the, <coughs> excuse me, as the starting point, we then, you know, use video, podcast, um, an online learning portal to both tell stories and to, um, do direct education around the skills necessary to, to get outdoors and to try to harvest something that you're going to put on the table. So how you said most of this is, is, is digital is online. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So most yeah. of it, most of it's online on, on the website and the podcast and, and the YouTube channel and stuff like that. Okay. And this is your bread and butter. You know, it is, it's yes and no. Um, so I created this almost 10 years ago. Um, and, um, a lot of my activity within that space is it's, it's my passion. Um, but, if I relied on it fully to pay the bills, uh, I, it would be very tough. So, I've got another side of my business where I do marketing and media work with clients. Uh, and that's that's how I primarily pay the bills. But my goal is, and and it progressively had had this, you know, uh, playing more of a role for me professionally. But my goal is to eventually, uh, dedicate my, you know, the majority of my time to it in in a way that, uh, that I'm able to sustain, sustain a lifestyle financially, but, uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to do that. Um, yeah, gotcha. Um, so,
0: um, one, one, we, we had a phone conversation, what, like six weeks ago or something like that. And, and that's when we decided that we'd record this podcast and, um, it's an, it's an interesting. It holds potential to be an interesting conversation because we we have different threat <laughs> assessments about the future of hunting. Right, um, right. I I think that the threat the threats um are, I mean they could the the are offshoot of there being are a consequence of there being too too many hunters and where <laughs> and whereas you whereas you um feel that we need more hunters so um and and we'll get into that but it, it, um, it promises to be to, for me, very interesting to explore where that difference in perspective comes from, but I'm just curious. So, um, well, let me preface this by saying in, in my life, I've helped a lot of people learn how to hunt. Um, I I'd go so far as to say that if somebody comes to a seasoned hunter and, with a legitimate interest in hunting, and you don't help them, that's kind of a selfish move. Um, so I really don't have a. I'm supportive of helping people that want to learn how to hunt. What what, what I oppose is is manufacturing interest in, in hunting, um, and we can get into why that is. I mean the main the main reason is um, that it's already overcrowded. And access is already pretty tight. And I'm not convinced that making somebody a hunter makes them um, a happier, healthier human being. I think there's a lot of endeavors, human endeavors that we can engage in that where, where, that where it's not, if it gets too, if there's too many participants um, that can be accommodated. Something like soccer. If soccer becomes more popular, you build another soccer field. Um, but with hunting, um, hunting opportunity I think of is very, very precious. Um, so it's it just strikes me as kind of bizarre to want more people out hunting when I'm going to trailheads with 50 trucks in them. And um I my friends are hunting around here where I live in eastern Montana. And as the sun comes up, they got ten orange vests around them, and I'm like, "And still, we need more." Um, so, we'll get into that. But I want to, I want to back up just a little bit and ask: When people come to you, um, where where do you where does the interest stem from?
1: Question. got them
0: interested in learning to hunt what yeah got them interested in learning and
1: to hunt enough to seek you out yeah, so you know years ago when I created modern carnivore it was it was i was doing a lot of work with with um natural and organic food companies this is about a dozen a dozen years ago and um and I was I was out at a conference. I remember one time, and I and I saw these really cool companies there that were manufacturing these products, um, and you know they were local, they were organic, et cetera, et cetera. And these people were going nuts over it. And I thought, where are the where's you know that's really great, but what about the the protein side of things? I, I found that actually there was a a a, a less than subtle um, or a more not very subtle, um, sort of shift to, to more more of a, of a vegetarian diet in a lot of, in a lot of circles within that, that realm. And that's something I disagreed with. And I thought, you know, maybe this is, so you,
0: you, you're opposed
1: to somebody being a vegetarian. I'm not opposed to somebody being a vegetarian. I think if somebody wants to be a vegetarian, a pescatarian, a, a vegan, whatever they want is 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 wonderful, and each person can do it. I personally believe that meat is one of the best ways to get those dense nutrients into your body.
0: Yeah, I and- think there's
1: a lot of cl- clinical
0: evidence to to support that, I and mean, there's also a lot of clinical evidence that grilled meat causes and other forms of meat cause cancer too. <laughs> cause
1: carcinogens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, and I think there's for every study pro there's going to be one against, but I mean, I just think for me personally, um, uh, I think meat is a, is a wonderful part of, of living, um, eating meat. And I think as a hunter, there's nothing more meaningful and precious than that process of going out and being in an environment that you love very much um, with animals or whatever game or fish that you love and, and having ultimately a meal based on that. I think that's that's a fundamental human connection that I think we're all hardwired for. And so that's what I looked at back then. I said, you know what? I said, I, I'm concerned about at that time I was looking at the trend line. We didn't have the pandemic yet. We didn't have the whole foodie movement. We didn't have the locavore type of thing in, in grand scale going that much yet. I said, you know, I wonder if this is a way to... In- introduce people to the idea of hunting, foraging, fishing because they're interested in where their food is coming from and how it's sourced. People were starting to you know raise chickens in their yard. And I thought, you know what? I think the food discussion, again, it's universal. Um, I think the food discussion and the awareness that people have as we have in the 20th century moved further and further away, from the sourcing of our food and we truly outsourced it to first of all the butcher down the road then the local uh company and ultimately the international corporation that then people start questioning and uh, uh, questioning the ethics of of these of these systems and going hey is this the right way to do it because yeah but I
0: don't think do, do we have any choice for feeding seven or nine billion people i mean, Look, look at, I mean, we're not certainly not going to feed the, we're certainly going to not going to feed the masses with game meat. I mean, absolutely. It, it, not even, even a small fraction. Um, absolutely, absolutely I mean, not there's 29, 25 million deer in the country and 330 million people. Um. So it's, it's, it's niche at best. Um. But I'm still interested in the answer to the, that question. Like the, when people come to you. Where did the initial
1: interest in hunting come from? So given that trend that people have around food, what I did with creating this was using food as the starting point. So a lot of people who come to modern carnivore are coming from the standpoint of food and saying, Hey, I want to go try to kill a deer. I want." where did
0: that, where did that, where did that does. Like, where did, how did they arrive at that from watching hunting television or watching like, or following people, hunters on social media or their great granddad did it or the next door neighbor, or is it varied?
1: No, I mean, I think those, those last pieces, the, the neighbor or the grand grandfather, there's a little bit of that, but it's definitely more of, of the cultural shift. So that's where I was going with it is the cultural shift towards transparency that's that's a big theme, you know in in over the last 10 plus years is transparency and and understanding where things are going, um, or where they're coming from. What's my connection to that? Is that being done responsibly? And that's at all levels of life. And I think that general trend, again, Is includes food and people start questioning again. Why are they Why are they raising chickens in their yard? I think it's a it's a short step to saying, "Hey, we raise chickens." There are people who hunt. Maybe maybe we could go out and actually shoot an animal Uh, because we're not we live in we live in the suburbs. so we're not gonna we're not gonna have cows and chickens in our in our quarter acre lot. Um, But what are the other options? Ah, Maybe hunting is. Um, And I think you know hunting is a complicated space and it's a you know it's a complicated discussion on so many levels and there have been so many different perspectives on on the bubba hunter the slob hunter the gentleman hunter the all kinds of personas and and tropes that are out there as to who the hunter is um and that's changing you know uh and i think it has changed
0: yeah um so you think of it as like just a growth of this people becoming more curious of their food um that's I'd that's, that's the true pe- i i would agree with that but i think that i think that um hunting tv plays a role and and hunting social media plays <laughs> a role like concurrent with this locavore movement um over you say like that you've seen grow over the last 10 years maybe it's i i don't know uh i'm thinking of people like michael poland that writes books and yeah and he's been you know active in this sphere for a couple decades and then the advent of social media about 10 12 years ago and there's a lot of folks on social media that social media hunters that like kind of portray this hey look at me i killed my deer and now I'm making chili with it and doing this kind of like rugged outdoor signaling kind of thing so i think that's like where a lot of um it comes from as well um so uh you you have you're you're engaged in in helping and helping people learn to hunt um yeah. Uh, do the folks that you're teaching, do they largely hunt private or public land?
1: Um, good question. Um, I mean, when we take them out, if we have an event, we're generally going on, on public. Um, we're sometimes we just did a program this last fall where we actually intentionally went on private land that was part of a conservation easement, in a partnership with the Minnesota land trust. Um, and there were some conservation objectives around that. And so in in that case, we actually gained access to some land that is usually never, never open to, to hunting. Now this is an invite only scenario. Um, but, um, it's, it's a combination. I mean, you know as well as I do. I mean, the public, like you and I, have been very involved uh, personally with different, you know, different ways around that. Different focuses on that issue with groups uh, over the years. Um, um, you know, public land, just like a lot of things, has has gotten popular in the in the common language. You know, when you and I were young, uh, you, you grew up in Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and and I grew up in Minnesota the term public land didn't even really, it wasn't even part of the vernacular. You just, you just went over to that chunk of woods. And and for us, it was a lot of potlatch land, uh, or it was county land and it was just open. It just wasn't posted is what you right. talked about. Hey, you know, there's that land and it's not posted. So, um,
0: yeah. Um,
1: so it's part public,
0: part private when, when you got, when you're going out with these folks. Well, it's yeah. like, but you're
1: not do, going out with them much. It's mostly <laughs> digital, right? Yeah. Mostly digital. We, I, I, I don't want my company to become an event company. I mean, okay. there's a very fine line between holding introductory events and are you now an outfitter? I mean, and that's, that's, that's not a, that's not a space I ever want to play in. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, what do you, what, why is that? <laughs> uh, um, A lot of reasons, a lot of practical reasons, and a lot of reasons. I mean, I, I, I know you've talked about before, uh, you know, about the outfitter side of, you know, under 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 the monetization of the hunting world. Yeah. Okay. So
0: let's let's let me let me let me if you wouldn't mind (laughs) pausing there. I so I, I don't take a strong stance on on outfitting on public lands i when i think of monetization for me it's i what i what i take issue most with is um like this like using using wildlife dead wildlife on social media as marketing tools or hunting tv which is, is like uh is is highly dishonest so there's I have a lot of problems with hunting TV. It's uh, <laughs> they they leave a lot out. They hide wound loss all the time. Yeah, um, because that doesn't sell products. You know they need to make it look, and it doesn't attract viewers. So yeah. it's kind of like a dishonest form of marketing. I really don't take issue with outfitters that that uh, take people hunting on public land. What I I do take issue with what it, what I take issue with are outfitters that lease land hmm. yeah. and then I, and then I can't go on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or no, absolutely. Even, I got, I got to, I got to come ph- out
0: or people that come out to where I live because the hunting is good and they're from another state and they lease, they pay a landowner for exclusive access.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's like,
0: those are actually, those are two of th- those are my two, Two of my biggest gripes in hunting are those right there. Like, it's kind of interesting to me that, like, over the last couple of years, because I've been vocal about my opposition to R3 and my opposition to people showing thousands of strangers what they shoot on social media so that they can get sponsors and make money. And I think it's kind of gross. Um, And it incentivizes hunting for the wrong reasons. And I I make these points and I get, I, I become kind of a pariah for that, but, but it's not, but it's not widely held as rude or in, or immoral to come out to somebody else's state and buy up all the access. So the people that live there all year don't have a place to hunt. I like look at stuff like that and I'm like, how am I the outcast?
1: You know, and and here's the thing. I mean, so you know, relative to to leases getting bought up uh, and and closing down opportunities, uh, I I think anybody who's hunted a long time has had is probably had that happen. I had that happen on farm that we used to go out to in western Minnesota. It was our it was our goose and duck hunting location, and suddenly one one year after many many years there, farmer said, "Sorry, guys." I got a lot of money from three doctors who just bought it up for the whole season.
0: Yeah. There's a place here that's, you know, we have this program called block management. Yeah. Um, so it's funded through out of state hunting, uh, license sales and they pay and fish wildlife and parks Our fish and game management agency. They pay landowners. I think it's, I can't remember 15 bucks a hundred day or something like that, or 20 bucks a hundred day. Um, and then the public and hunt last year, one a place that I've gone and done work projects on like with volunteers as a, with groups of volunteers. Um, cause they've all, they're, they're all, they're under threat of leaving the program. The guy's barely like in it. He's kind of frustrated with it. So we've been, we did work on his place to try to encourage him to stay in. And then, this year, some guys are there and they're hunting through block management. And when they get done, they go up and bang on the door and say, Hey, we'll come back next year and give you 20 grand. It's like, how is that? I mean, it's like, it just seems like the hunting community should look out for one another, you know, it it just doesn't get much worse than that.
1: Well. Okay, like, so I like
0: it here so much that I'm gonna make sure make it so that I'm the only one that me and my buddies are the only ones that get to come here now.
1: Like, so okay. I, I know I have
0: kind of like <laughs> I have kind of, um, I guess I don't know unconventional views on this stuff. I own seven acres and I have trespassing a allow, trespassing allowed signs posted around it. And if if I had seven hundred thousand acres, the signs would say the same thing, you know. So I know I'm like kind of an outlier but I still I just can't help but think that that kind of stuff is so rude.
1: No, I I I, I something like that. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to there's always going to be people are, who are going to what especially if they have resources to drop 20 grand. I mean, not many people are going to be able to drop 20 grand to go hunt a, a chunk of property, but people with resources are always going to figure out ways to work around whatever system is in place Um, i don't even understand how they feel good about it like if you
0: buy up a access like that lock everybody else out and then you shoot some big thing and put it on your wall i don't think of that as an accomplishment I, i would look at that and be ashamed of it
1: well i mean is it any different from from the person who goes and does the high fence hunt and then claims you know look at that big Six by six bull.
0: <laughs> I, uh, it's kind of it's kind of almost worse. Yeah. you Like because people used to, piece, I'm talking about places where until this guy comes along and leases it all up, everybody else could hunt. Yeah. And now you yeah. just took it all for yourself because
1: you happen to be blessed with money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think so. So here's the thing. You you brought up something a minute ago that I want to go down this path for a moment. Um, you said we should be looking out for each other, you know, or if I thought we did, and what have you. And and you're referring, I presume, to the hunting community, which yes. is, you know, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Um, here's what I would say is has has been for a long time, for the the last, let's say, maybe century, or the last, you know, a couple of generations. When it comes to hunting, is the reality is it has been very hunting has been very individualistic. Um, I'd say that's true of
0: myself. I don't like club. I don't like the
1: clubby hunting. I'm, you know, it's kind of a private, quiet thing for me, you know? Exactly. And, 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 and there's a lot of reasons for that, right? It is a solitary activity, a lot of respects, and it's been very familial. So your community was literally your family. And I, I've often told the story about, um, you know, my deer hunting camp we're in we're in a little one room log cabin that's been in my family for five generations and it is just family there and we had a, a a relative invited a friend along one year and this was 25 years ago and I can still remember the sideways looks of how dare you let somebody into this into this community, and then laughing at his moon boots he was wearing. Remember, remember, moon boots. Yeah, because oh yeah. Everybody, everybody wore Sorrel, so You don't wear moon boots uh hunting. Moon boots are a hell of a lot easier to get on than Sorel's, <laughs> Probably a hell of a lot more comfortable too, and they probably walked through the woods a lot better. <laughs> I'm sure they were <laughs> a much better boot, but they were probably like you know neon colored or something from the 80s. But um but uh, the pro here's the thing: the way I look at at the idea of introducing people to hunting and the necessity of it is that we culturally within the hunting community have never been welcoming. We've never done any type of outreach. It's always been a solitary activity until when until,
0: until when <clears throat> when did it change?
1: till recently, I mean I, I mean like
0: every single nonprofit there is has a our three arm.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I, I started Modern Carnivore doing recruitment before the term R3 existed. That came on the scene and I have seen absolutely. I mean, the things when I was doing things, people didn't even sort of, they're looking at it going, I don't get what you're doing. Oh, now it's oh, like everybody's I piled I somewhere up.
0: like right. that term came, I, the, that term, it wasn't in common usage, but it that phrase was coined in the
1: early 90s, I believe. No, I don't think it was that long ago. It was actually I, I, uh, uh, Matt Dunphy, I believe, coined it, and the uh, Council to Advance Hunting and Shooting Sports. I believe that is where it originated. No, okay, that. All right. okay,
0: yeah, I think <clears throat> you're right about where it originated, but I might be wrong about the year. But I, I was surprised how long ago it actually was.
1: It, it really, yeah, it was, it was, it was probably eight, seven, eight years ago. No, I think something like that.
0: we're gonna have to agreeably disagree. I know. Okay. Okay. Longer, Okay. way longer ago than that, but oh.
1: it, it very well could, very well could be. It, and it's, I mean, it, to be honest, I don't even like the term. It's a clinical term that is, that is inside baseball that, that should never be used out in the marketplace. And it's gotten used out in the marketplace now of R3. All it does is confuse a person if they're interested in, in learning about it. Well, I mean, it's like, well, what, what is what's, 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 what's confusing about it? Well, what is it? r3 what what does that mean what what oh, relevant recruit like get
0: people that don't hunt to hunt retain get people that are hunting to keep hunting and reactivate get people that quit to dust off their knees and get back out there
1: exactly and so why does a new hunter need to understand that it's irrelevant it's 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 a it's a well strategy. i don't think a new it's a...
0: hunter it's it's people that are trying to it's existing hunters that need to understand it. Right. Cause they're the ones that are
1: supposedly supposed to be out trying to get more people to hunt. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, definitely. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, I just find it a, a funny term, but no, I mean, it's, it's been very recent that this, that this has happened. Um, otherwise it, this has been a family affair and an individualistic approach. You know, you're how, How often is somebody going to tell another person where their good hunting, their, their good fishing spot is, or where the stand is, where they always have at least Nate Pointer coming through. Um, I, 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 now I would say they should like, okay, so here's my take
0: on that. I don't, I don't want more hunters. And I, I think, um, I I don't, I think that there's at least 50% of hunters that are in my camp.
1: Probably Um, more
0: um do you think more than 50 don't Potent-
1: potentially okay. potentially i mean there's okay. there's <laughs> so
0: like when when people in organizations um mint new hunters yeah um like <laughs> I, why, I get this wh-
1: visual of them coming off the press
0: <laughs> why why should they be foisted preferentially on people that don't want it I think, uh, I think that if you're somebody that's engaged in R3, the fair thing to do is that like you get on social media before you go hunting and you tell everybody where you're going to be. Like, don't you want, don't you want them to go to the best spot? And aren't you going to where you think you have the best chances? So shouldn't (laughs) you want them to go to that spot too? And then when they show up, shouldn't you give them a, head start because you <laughs> want them to have this positive experience so much, you know, that's like, I, and I'm not even, I, I mean, it's not, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. It's like, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand why, how it stops there. It's like, start them hunting, but not to the point where incursion to hunt, but not to the point where I send them tell them where all my spots are. No, not to that level send them to somebody else's spots and have them crowd these other people out,
1: not me. So, So, but, but isn't there an element, I I guess I look at that from the standpoint of, I mean, there is a, okay. So I think the question is, so let's, let's, let's take that, that where we were a moment ago, uh, 50, let's say 50%, let's say half of the hunting community does not want more hunters. Why?
0: Well, because the biggest Problem in hunting today, um, the 1,200 pound purple gorilla in the room that nobody that makes their living off hunting will talk about because they contribute it to it and they profit off of it is crowding, inability to draw tags, and lack of access.
1: Okay, so I, I would agree those are issues, but they're also, um, they are all issues of personal concern that impact me not necessarily
0: like i hunt way back in the mountains with a bunch of pack llamas so like is my hunting gotten more crowded yeah but i just feel sorry for my for my friends that live in this community that when they go out there's people all over the place it's like the thought that anybody is having a good time is laughable because it's so crowded so it's not just i'm not just worried about it's not like a just a personal thing for me it's like I feel, well, I mean, part of it is a justice thing. Like what about all of us that don't want more hunters, you know? Um, And and then I look at other influences that are trying to, other influences that are trying to create more hunters, like hunting TV and hunting media, because they're trying to market, they're trying to make hunting look cool so they can get more people into it and sell products, you know, and these people don't, it doesn't affect them because they put in for special draws all over the country. And they fly up to remote filming locations and hunt on their fans' private ranches and stuff, so they don't have to deal with it. So it's like it just like it strikes me as unjust. Like, we're gonna create hunters, uh, crowd out the existing hunting community that's been quietly going about their business so that we can make money. And then with the nonprofits, with a lot with their R3 efforts, a lot of that I've had people that work for nonprofits tell me that it's an expectation of their of their corporate sponsors that they engage in R3 because that's like free marketing for them. So like, it's not just a personal, like, Oh, I don't want more hunters because of my hunting. For me, my gripe with R3 goes much deeper than that. It has to do a lot with the monetization of hunting and how monetary forces like that don't have to suffer with that thing places being overcrowded because they just fly up to, and get away from it or pay their way out of it somehow by flying or drawing tags or hunting private, you know? So like, even if I didn't hunt it, this, like this stuff, R three stuff would piss me off.
1: So, so that's a whole ball of stuff right there that you just threw out. And I think that's, that's the challenge with this is it is a comp it's, it's complicated on so many levels. That's where I think it's what's what, what I wanted to do with you tonight was to sort of peel back, peel back the orange. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's peel onions. Let's peel onions. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's yeah. Onion, much better, much better analogy than an orange, but um, let's, you know, let's take a look at each, at at each of those issues individually. And I guess, you know, relative to it being personal, I mean, I do think that is the biggest reason a, a good percentage, whatever that percentage is, a good percentage of the hunting community doesn't want more people because they're pissed off about seeing too many trucks at, at at the boat landing or at the at the spot of public land where they're where they're heading in to hunt and they used to not see trucks as as an and example. We have okay? to, I, we have, I'm sure we agree it's antithema to a good hunt. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It, like, it's the and, worst and, thing and that so, could happen. And so, but then you also have aspects of where, so for you, you live in God's country. You live in one of the most sought after places um, that that I would say you and your friends, the experience you're having um, with crowding is... In a very short period of time, dramatically changing. It's like you're a ground zero versus other other areas in, in the US that aren't seeing that type of dramatic growth. And I think that is for a lot of reasons, and, and just in population in general. I mean, look look at look at Bozeman and what and what's happened just in population in general to set hunting aside. And so you've got population growth. You've got shifting and movement and migration of population centers. And so those are bigger issues that really hunting is just being a recipient of something that's so big and massive that it isn't something you know you're ever going to control. Something you'd be concerned about, but it's you're not going to control it. And and no, I think
0: I, you, I don't think that I, I think that I think that the kind of hunting I enjoy is is probably doomed. Um like half my reason for doing this podcast is just the, the by virtue of like wanting to be the one that says I told you so. Um <laughs> uh, you know, uh just to, just to maintain my sanity as I watch it watch uh the, this thing I love slowly go away. Um so but any anyway, yeah. But I see I see I don't, I, crowding is bad here, but I don't think it's, I think it's bad in the Midwest. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, Like where I grew up, I, I hunted my butt off for my whole youth from the time I was 12 years old to the time I was 27 and moved to Montana and never once laid eyes on a deer that was two and a half years old. Every legal buck would get shot off opening weekend. essentially pretty damn close. Yeah. So um, I I was just talking to this, this wildlife biologist that just moved here and I'm working with her on some things in my research. And she was telling me that in Saginaw Bay, um, they had to go to a draw. Like if you want to hunt these wildlife management areas there, you have to draw in the morning for one hunt. You have to draw for another morning, a hunt in the evening if you want to do that. And then in between them, they would let people um, go out with their dogs and pick up cripples. And now you have to draw even to do that. That's interesting. I I mean, that I, I I hear. I talk to people from Pennsylvania. I talk to people from New York. I, I I still have friends in Michigan. I don't think that it's that uh, there are these vast tracks of 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 land just teeming with unhunted game anywhere in this country.
1: I, I, think that's, I think it's Unless so complicated. I think it's so complicated. It's hard to say. I mean, <clears throat> you know, not now you get into, into, into the wildlife management side of things. You get into, you get into, to, to weather impacts, uh, you, uh, you know, the turkey hunting, my gosh, up, up in the neck of the woods where I do most of my hunting, my gosh, the turkey hunting's never been better. Turkey hunting didn't exist when we, when I was a kid up there. So one could say that that's great. Now I do, I think that is a, is that a, a success story of reintroducing, uh, a, 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 wildlife species that used to be here that, that had gone away. Yeah, it is. Is it a great thing overall? I don't think it is. I mean, I think it's, it's one little data point that's interesting, um, Have I seen dramatic changes in, in crowding of deer hunters? And have I seen dramatic changes in population of deer? No, I've seen it ebb and flow from year to year. I, I, most years where I deer hunt, I go out and I don't see a single person. I rarely see a person in in the woods. So that's my personal data point. That's, that's such. On on public. On public. Yes, correct. And, and so.
0: where, where, Where do you live again? (laughs) (laughs)
1: i'm in minnesota where we're where we've got a ton of public land um you know and and so so we have we
0: all have our anecdotes but even our even even the r3 data says that crowding is an enormous issue do you are you familiar with the uh practitioner's guide to um R3
1: uh which one i mean there's like, state level one is it a state level one or uh, like, I no haven't it's na- that it it's
0: national it's national so
1: did the council advance on shooting sports was yeah, yeah, yeah. put yep. it out yeah yep. it, it, I, it was, I don't know if i've seen it no i don't i don't know if i have
0: i studied it um yeah a couple of years ago when i was writing this or a little over a year ago when i was writing this R3 article um and so here we have it, a, a seven hundred page tome um, devoted to. <laughs> That's exactly why I never read it. <laughs> overcoming barriers to getting more people to hunt and fish. Yeah, um, and there's a ton of research and surveys in there. Yeah. So, um, according to their survey data, over eighty percent of hunters pick where they're going to go um based on the amount of people they think are going to be there and over well over well 55% of hunters have a uh, uh, site abandoning spots due to pressure and this is a this is a random survey so this is a lot of these people are hunting private so like if they if they stratified and just asked people that were hunting public I bet the numbers would be way higher. So like <clears throat> their own research that goes into like, Hmm, how do we get more people out there is showing that the, the biggest barrier to get, bear, or to getting more people out there is that there's too many people out there and yet they march on. I, I just, I, I think you I, can't I take like, any why single day. Di- why not work on, what? I mean it's like there's so many human endeavors that don't have a recruitment arm. I've never heard of yoga <laughs> recruitment, but yoga is so good for you. Absolutely. Absolutely if yoga gets too crowded, you build another studio. Instead, <laughs> we but but uh oh but we gotta always have more honor. Like, why? Why so here's do the thing hunters?
1: yoga does recruit every single activity. So I my background is Marketing, okay, and so that's what I've done throughout my career. Every facet of every space does marketing, and is it gone crazy in the last twenty years in every one of those spaces? Absolutely, of which hunting is one of them too. That has started to do more of it. Look at look look, hunting the like the so yeah, like R three is one thing. I
0: don't even think it's like terribly effective. Yeah, the the way bigger. The way bigger um, influence on crowding, I think, and it's sad because it brings people into hunting for the wrong reasons. On top of it, because everybody's just trying like, "Ooh, I want to be like that famous guy on the show and and um, be a badass and all that stuff." And like, um, yeah, I think that the marketing bit is way more has way more of an effect on on bringing people in. So it's like people are getting brought in So What what uh, by, what was for the pe- money, for re- for monetary reasons.
1: So what what was the piece that what was the pe- I thought you were going to give an example of, of, of the what what brings them in? Just marketing in general, or are you going to say one type of marketing? Well, like okay, athlete athlete. I mean, I would say yeah, the Out West athlete hunter. Yeah, who's oh, going to yeah. pack everything in,
0: right? Yeah, oh yeah, like they're like they're they're like companies like Sitka and and. Etc. 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 They find these badass type dudes and like outfit them like freaking superheroes, and then every young person on the planet looks at that and goes like, "Oh man, what a badass! That's what I want to be." So it's not like recruiting them. It's not even recruiting them into hunting for the right reasons. I mean, the the right (coughs) reasons for to hunt for me are hidehorns meat. Um personal enjoyment connection to nature and the sense of self-reliance that comes from providing for yourself but like this that kind of like aggressive like um like hero worshiping sycophant approach to like trying to get people to hunt i think it just brings them in because they're like it's not like oh i'm gonna these people come in and they just quietly go about their hunting no they want it they want all that too so they they're getting the Instagram feed going, showing themselves lifting weights and killing big elk, and trying to get their sponsors going. Next thing you know, they got ten hashtags. It's
1: just so let's so let's go there. So let's go to the space where we agree. Um, we we agree to disagree on on whether we need more hunters. Now you're getting into. More of the of the of the form rather than the function of 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 yeah, right. recruitment and marketing. How is it done? How is it stylized, if you will? And I wrote down some of the things that you that you have said. You know, in your in your documentation, where we agree. You know, and and you talk about you know some of the changes you don't like. You know, being too noisy, publicizing kill videos. You know, bragging rights for for killing animals. Um, that 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 broy macho culture, et cetera. Um, absolutely. I, I, I'm with you hundred percent on a lot of that. Just, I, I, I'm sort of disgusted by, by certain ways that that is done. And yeah, it's like the, 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 I call it the, um, um, dead, dead
0: wildlife as status symbol approach to hunting.
1: And here's the thing, like you look, go, go out and look at the modern carnivore social media feeds, go out and look at the stuff that we do. Um, I'll give you a couple examples there, there. There's very little gun focus and there's very little grip and grin.
0: Yeah. It I kind is, of, I, I perused your website and I, I was, okay. yeah, I was, I was heartened to see that, <laughs> that, that it was very humble. Uh, <laughs> and I appreciate that. that.
1: <laughs> And that's the thing. And I agree with you. And so that's where you and I are in complete agreement is, 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 you know, how you, how you sell it, if you will, how you sell the idea of hunting and how you introduce people to it matters. And, and, um, and, and so, but take that social media piece that, that I've heard you go off on and, 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 and get get pretty upset over it, and I agree with that. Is um, again, now that I'm a
0: podcast host, I'm I'm trying to have trying to more. Deco- ways? I'm trying to be, have more decorum <laughs> because no one's going to come on and talk to me if I'm like losing my shit all the time.
1: <laughs> that's good. That's a, that's a good thing. I'd say I, I think, and I think you're doing a great job. Well, thank doing you. A great job. Um, but I mean that that is again. Similar to population issues, similar to overdevelopment and issues and encroachment on wild spaces, social media is a larger societal issue we have. And that example that you just gave goes on in every realm. I bet you every pastime and every um, every um, type of group would would bemoan the fact that there are people out. Um, usurping, taking this, taking this energy and, and focus over on who they are, which is very self-centered. We one could say from a judgment perspective, and and doing things that we don't agree with. But now, this is an interesting point. This
0: is an interesting <laughs> point. But, well, and- uh, there. Are, let, but uh, very briefly, and I'll let you continue. Okay. Just, I do not agree that hunting social media is social media writ small. I just don't agree. I think that bragging over a kitchen remodel or yeah. a basketball trophy trophy yeah. is far more benign and, and and less consequential than bragging about a a, a, a a wild animal that was ostensibly harvested for food. I think completely,
1: that that, I completely agree with you. I'm saying the problem is is universal. The impact, absolutely, and that's where your disgust of basically, I think you said at one point equating, you know, killing animals for likes on social media. I mean, it's a, it obviously that's a little bit of a of an extreme example, but it's not not much. I mean, oh, that's it's that, not. That, I don't think it is at it's all. Really not. I don't think it no. is at all. Who needs to kill four elk a year? Yeah, yeah. Um, and these these
0: top guys, that's what they do. They like I just saw aren't they livestock
1: elk in a high fence operation uh, though? So well they're
0: they're, okay. I I've looked into this a fair bit. It's not it's generally not that there's no high fence, but it's they're paying 15 grand or they're hunting for free, but they're famous so that the people that own those ranches let them on for free because it's marketing, you know. But Yeah, yeah, no, it's like they, people definitely, nobody needs to kill 12 big game animals a year. And a lot of these top guys are like top social media hunting influencers are doing just that. It's like, that is so, that is so like, how aren't, if I was an anti-hunter, I would
1: hit on that big time. Absolutely, absolutely. And, And that's where we as the hunting community Need to step up and say, you know what? That's not cool, and and so here's here's the way I look at it. So so I want to touch on this because I thought about this um, ever since I had everybody calling me and saying, you got you got to listen to Matt on this on this episode where where he goes off on the media. Um, look look at let's look at the big historic perspective of of. Um storytelling of media of communication. You know, it started with spoken word, right? That's where we as humans used to gather on the campfire where it's is spoken word. Then it ultimately evolves to written word that then goes to printed, then we get the printing press, then we go to electrical with the telegraph, then to the telephone, then it's to the TV, then it's to the internet, and then now it's to social media. I think what we're talking about happened in some respects at every one of those stages. However, If you look at outdoor hunting media, I think there are, there are, um, in the past of our lifetime and let's say through the 20th century, you had newspapers, you had magazines, then you had the advent of TV. And we had, when you and I were growing up, those, a lot of the TV fishing shows more than hunting shows. And then the hunting shows, um, and those were you had a small number of people who controlled the narrative, right? They were the people. They do. were the writers. They were the personalities, etc.
0: So, well, okay, we still it still is a small group that controls the narrative in the sense that nobody, everybody in the hunting sphere that has a voice, um, makes money off of it. So there is that. Yes,
1: in it, 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 absolutely in a lot of different ways. But okay, so here's the thing. One of the things you don't <clears throat> I'm gonna hold actually I'm gonna hold this that, that other thought. Here, here's where I would say, though, with the advent of social media, here's the fundamental shift that I haven't heard you reference yet when you when you've been talking about different things over the last couple of years, which is again, it was it was always a small set of people who controlled the narrative, and therefore they they reflected, or there were people that said, you know what, here's here's what that what that should be for the community with the advent of social media and this is what we're dealing with everywhere right now which is which is anyone and everyone has a microphone and has has a tv production company sitting in their in their front living room and can get a message out there and why do they get why do they get um um standing and how do they how do they garner audience not through going through a very difficult process of, let's say the way it used to be of getting a TV show and, and being really good, et cetera. It is purely the algorithm determining or you bought your likes or you're having the algorithm from the tech companies determine what is valuable. And what is valuable to them is what we, people will look at. And what people look at isn't always the good stuff. It's the bad stuff. And so, therefore, we have this entire mechanism set up to reinforce and promote the growth of bad stuff. Look at like, politics. What, what you mean, what, look at, what,
0: okay. In hunting, what's the bad stuff?
1: In hunting, I would say what you would say, and I would say the bad stuff is, is killing for likes. Okay? Yeah. So, so I'm well, going to do, this, there's this <laughs> other
0: element that's become quite common where people like kind of like mix, um, sex appeal with oh, yeah,
1: um, yeah, like this, yeah. like
0: bestiality motif with a little, with a little necrophilia mixed in. Like, are you serious? Well, it just, it just kind of not, not overtly but I can't see somebody that's ob that's like scantily clad next to a carcass without starting to wonder if they're going to screw the thing or something like what the plan is.
1: Well, the the whole, the whole incorporating of, of sex appeal is where, so that's been used throughout time for marketing and and promotional purposes, right? It
0: works so good. It's like people like, like, it's kind of like synchronizing the pleasures. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hunting a big animal and the person looks like dynamite. Wow. It's like that the crap is so like my thing with the, okay, I'm going to let you finish, but I, I do have a point I want to get to on the social media bit.
1: No, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's so like, I guess the aspect of using sex to sell hunting. Absolutely. I, I I've looked at that ever since that started to come up and I'm like, not only do I I, I I get it, I get how it works, but like you've gone to no, a no. I level want of to look cheapness. at it. Yes, I want
0: to look at it. You know, is I'm able to control my impulses. I yeah. see it as like, no, that is not good for the
1: hunting. It's team. not good, and so like that I would know, be but a I good don't example. See where
0: any of it is, I don't so, see where it's ever good to show strangers what you shoot on social media. Okay, I so now think of, I cannot think of
1: one redeeming feature of doing that. So now we're getting into another realm of of this. Okay. And now social. So now we're set set the stage of we now have a media environment that anybody With with uh, a microphone and a and a a camera, which is everyone can get their message out, and we have an algorithm system that promotes the stuff that is probably not the most above board, ethical, good stuff, wholesome stuff. Let's say now we get into
0: wholesome; it's all bragging. (laughs) yeah exactly. I mean, mean, if you're showing strangers what you shoot, there's nothing. You're you're bragging about a dead animal. Like there's so the algorithm no matter how good of a job the algorithm did, does or how corrupt it happens to be it's, st- it's still going to be directing people to people directing people to hunters people that are trying to like represent the hunting community that are hunting for the wrong
1: reasons right the same way the same way the algorithm promotes politics posts political posts that are garbage that cause controversy, right. but they promote them because it causes controversy. Yeah. What I you know, tell you
0: people can, is if like, I mean,
1: what I tell people
0: is think about this. If you, if for like there's for some people, I, I think the, the hunting entertainment is more important to them than hunting it, them. Absolutely. Itself. I think absolutely. there's people that hunting culture is more important that, to them than hunting itself. But if you are really in it for the hunting, and I am, there is no way that is benefit looking at hunting TV and looking at grip and grinners on social media is good for you Good for your hunting. all that is okay okay if it's it, there's a bunch of things it is, but one thing it is undeniably is free advertising for people that are trying to sell hunting leases and outfitters that are, have leased up a bunch of land and, um, are looking for clients. There's no doubt about it. That's like, so, but so so I don't see, and if we look at all the other things that it is in addition to that, none of them are good either. If you're truly somebody that's in it, really in it for the
1: hunting. So, so that's where, you know, um, it's a question of, and, and again, I think it's a larger societal issue. But it's it's um, it's directly relevant to what you just said, which is okay. Let's take larger society. I think I think we're there. I think there was a book years ago that was uh, the title was "Entertained to Death," and 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 it's and it was talking about our our culture in America and the love of entertainment to, to the extreme, you think about the number of hours, like people, TV, TV, think about okay. the number of hours spent in front of TV by the average person. And, and now you, you think about the traditional hunter did not watch TV. I mean, I've, I've literally, I've probably, I don't know how many hunting shows I've watched in my life. I could probably count on one hand. Oh, um, I don't
0: allow myself to watch them anymore. And that, but that's only a couple of years. Like when I would go to professional conferences and stuff and be be in motel rooms, I couldn't help. It was like, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I love watching them. But. uh,
1: Now, what did you love? What did you love about them? What did you love about them? Oh, a
0: guy sitting up in the tree and here comes a big buck and he doesn't, the wind's right and he doesn't know he's there and he's about to get thwacked. I don't know. I just kind of like it's just, it's. it's I I freaking it's uh they're thrilling to me. I could see where it would wear off if you watched them if you had it in your house and you were watching it every night, but like I've just come to the realization, and I am inviting whoever hears this to just think about it. It is terrible, terrible for your prospects as a hunter.
1: Well, so so take that idea of being entertained, and now what what is promoted out there so like what what we do at modern carnivore is first and foremost educational focused of let's let's teach something let's let's raise awareness and understanding around an issue and then under that there's an element of entertainment within there but it's not entertainment forward with with modern media and social media with entertainment being the primary priority, that is naturally going to take you down paths that if you truly look at it objectively, you probably shouldn't go, of combining sex with death, yeah. of combining things because why? Because it sells, because it because it gets attention, because... It will allow you to get that brand out in front of, in front of more people. I don't you know, know if I they will-
0: still do it, but like a lot of these shows that I, when I was, <laughs> when I used to watch them in motel rooms, they'd like have a ticker tape and like me, and they would be, it would be saying this manufacturer of binoculars, this manufacturer <laughs> of freaking coat, this, this range finder, these arrows, that bow this sent for cons- control
1: system like <laughs> so, so i wrote a guest blog post on a, on a on a blog meaning, called the will in
0: case that wasn't clear meaning that's all the shit that this person is right.
1: at the time so so and that's and that's where it gets into here's one of the things i'm battling i'm i i am i'm within this space and i'm battling against it a lot um this, you know, with, with this idea that you need to have everything, take camel alone. Think th- th- the aspect of, if you listen to the companies, you need to have the newest pattern. If you don't have the newest pattern, the, the animal's obviously going to see you and you're busted. And we so you not need got- any more technology. <laughs> no. We don't need any. So like,
0: uh, we don't need, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I refuse to adopt any tech more technology in my hunting going forward for the rest of my life. We don't need it. And that's why no. like, um, people I'm, I, I'm just imagining that as I become more vocal, if like people, if people endeavor to hear what I'm trying to say, I don't know if they will or not. Um, they'll be like, well, how do I, if I'm not following the hunting TV and the hunting celebs, how am I going to know the latest and greatest? I'm like, we don't, you don't need any we have enough advantages already so over the so, wildlife over the the uh, over our the game we're on. it we there, don't need to shoot any
1: further absolutely, we don't need to blend absolutely. In any better it's it's i mean and that's always relative right so the guy with the flintlock um said that to the guy who had the who brought in the lever action <laughs> or or you know, the person who had, who had the first depth finder for fishing says that to the guy who's now got pan optics, uh, you know, and, and, and there's, and there's all kinds of, um, um, everything's relative to it. But I think here's what I break it down to is when you are out, it, I think the essence, the true essence of being outdoors and doing these things that we love is to get you closer to that natural world that's not part of our everyday existence in this modern society, and when you obsess about the gadgets, the gear, the technologies, that is an actually it, that's taking you away from that. Yeah. And I, I wrote a post a few years ago. I was starting to say on, on on this blog called The Will to Hunt, and and it was right before Shot Show, and I said, and I and I told this sort of fictitious story about. Uh, a bow hunter out and getting ready to to he draws back. He's got the got the white tail there, ready to go. Oh my gosh! I forgot to get my my camera going and has to fiddle with the camera. And meanwhile, well, at this point, guy, I'm you-
0: not rooting for him anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there there is
0: a fail. <laughs> the, <clears throat> there is a um. I say, well, but I'm a guy that thinks that if you're filming it it, it ain't hunting.
1: Well, see no. there you go. So there was a story in a magazine. I wrote a a, po- uh, a story in a magazine recently and right in front of my story was a how to film your hunt. And 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 I thought when I and I just sort of shook my head when I read that because here's the thing. I do a ton of outdoor filming media for educational purposes, sometimes enter- entertainment if you will. Um but I have yet to put a lot of energy around actually filming the process of 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 the hunt because not only a are those are those opportunities rare rare enough that you don't want to ruin it and have that distraction, but b, I believe that process of taking the life of an animal is a very personal event between you and that animal that should be respected and revered, and to and to I I think use it which is getting to your philosophical point of it, to use it as a way to elevate my status in some way. And my desire to have to show other people says, it says everything right there. I am am tearing
0: up right now. I'm tearing up
1: right now. (laughs) You are singing.
0: You are singing my tune. And that's
1: where, that's where we first talked. I'm like, you know what? We disagree on, on certain things, but I think we agree on, on a lot a of lot things. things. Too.
0: Yeah. Um, I, yeah, you, know? you were definitely somebody I would break bread with. Um, let me, let's back. There's a couple more little angles I'd like to take. I want to back up for, just for a second. So you, like I said, we don't need any more technology and you kind of challenged me on that. You said like, well, the guy with the Flint lock
1: yeah. said yeah. that to the
0: guy with, the, but what about these guys now that, like almost it's almost like it seems like they must be backing up when they spot the animal (laughs) like oh i'm gonna back up it's not badass enough if i shoot him at 800 i better do it at a thousand like see i i I don't call me like some kind of chromogeny old freaking luddite type dude people certainly are leveraging those kinds of claims against me these days
1: but i'm i just i don't think we need to be up in our odds anymore. So, so I just, I just gave a presentation last night to a fishing club and the topic that they, that they asked me to come speak on was killing fish. They're a catch and release club. Yeah. I'm a, I don't like catch and release. We can get into that <laughs> later. Like why bury
0: so a fish just to let it go?
1: Exactly. You know, and, and, and so it was, a, it was a discussion where I said, I think I similar to, I think we need more people. I said, I think more people should be killing and eating fish. I think that would be good for the fisheries. Oh, um, really? <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So here's oh, so the thing.
0: There's, there's trout streams out here where the same trout is caught three times a year on average. Right. 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 So I guess, but I mean, if everybody kept those fish.
1: No, and, and you, and you can't, but that's where, that's where, okay. And so my point, my point is purely that I, I, I think the aspect of, of taking, the, the outdoor activity to its original conclusion, which is we're out there to get something to put on the table, which was the reason we started doing these activities in the first place and, and getting away from that through catch and release. Actually, you could have a lot of different analogies as to what that is similar to of where you're not getting the full deal done that, that, that actually takes away from the essence of it. Oh, give me, give me one. (laughs) Yeah, you can you can use sexual you can use sexual references, okay? Um, I'm I'm
0: just so pure I couldn't come (laughs) up.
1: Yeah, you didn't go there exactly. Although we know the kind of videos you like to watch, but um, (laughs) 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 but you know, I, I think the technology piece of it, um, and and the idea of challenge. So, what one of the one of the guys who did who maybe didn't like like what I was saying last night brought up the idea of competition. And and I said, and his perspective was, every guy out there is going to be there to to be the best, and he's got to be the best, and that is the essence of fishing. You're fishing when you're fishing, and, when you're fishing. Oh. and 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 it started a really good a discussion.
0: Boat, if I'm on a boat with some people, I definitely want to um catch more fish than them, and 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 if and if and if I am catching more fish that than them, I'm I'm quick to remind them of that. <laughs> so, I'm with this guy so far.
1: But so here's what I said was I said, you know, a lot of the people who are starting to hunt and fish these days, they're 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 more there for the experience in the community rather than the competition. And a lot of the people that I see who are mentoring are out there for those same reasons. They're they're there to say, Hey, I want you to get the turkey. I want you to get that large. Mm-hmm. Mass Um, and I'm super excited. I'm stoked when, when that happens. And if I get one great, but it's not, it's not who's better than the other. And I think it's all depends upon who you're with. What's the dynamic of the crowd, et cetera. I think absolutely. When you're with your buddies, your, your brothers, right, right, right. you know, it's, that's built in right there is, is who is, who's better, who's, oh. bigger, who's, who's you know,
0: <laughs> if I'm going out with somebody that doesn't fish very much or whatever, and yeah, I would way rather that they catch the fish, for sure. It's, and so yeah. I,
1: I think it gets into, I guess, t- tying it back to what you said about technology. Technology is all relative. I do think, um, so I, I think we can't legally restrict the number of people. We could legally restrict the number through of people who go and hunt a specific area by doing by doing draws uh, and, and doing point systems, et cetera. So there are ways we can legally Set controls in there, and and I think that's one way that we may have to, as the population grows and there gets to be more hunters, that that needs to be continually reevaluated. I think similarly, technology. How about
0: how about about just not recruit anymore? So, (laughs) like, and and how about the hunting community? I am not. I am opposed to passing any kind of law. I'm just trying to get the hunting community to wake up and act in accordance with the things that are of value to them. So, um, I, 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 like I, if, so what you're, what I'm getting from you is here's how we're going to deal with crowding, make it so that people that have been hunting their whole lives don't get to hunt as much. And to me, it's like, why not just stop recruiting more hunting hunters? And as a, as a group, as a hunting community, step away from things that, um, bring more people in the hunting for commercial purposes, like hunting TV and hunting
1: social media. Let me ask you a question, Matt. What's your level of concern or interest or desire to have a good hunting community 50 years from now or a hundred years from now? Um, okay. So that, okay. I'm gonna
0: answer this as quickly as I can. Uh, now I care. In the past, I I didn't care because I thought if it if it goes away because of the antis, they'll be like, okay, the soci- society didn't value it enough and it faded away. Now I see it going away just because of like greed and money and and people seeking fame from it and 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 now I want it to persist somehow. Like the see, thought that I- my friends and families kids won't be able to hunt because it turned into a European model, freaking big money thing. That, that, that hurts my heart.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think, and this is again, where we have a disagreement. I think that it is, well, it's, you mentioned earlier, it's the threat assessment. I believe the bigger threat is if we don't do anything, if we rest on our, our laurels, if we rest on the existing community, existing community, you look at the data, uh, uh, the data that's out there, it's ninety seven percent white, it's predominantly male, and it's oh, and it looks like you and I who are on the back side of the life cycle rather than the front side. And so I would argue that if 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 we're not recruiting people in and creating a, a, a framework, a fabric of hunting of community in the hunting world that looks more like where society is headed, it will become extinct purely because we're all going to die and we'll be gone. And rather than four percent of the population, it'll be a half a percent of the population. And when they're making rules, absolutely the the anti-hunting movement will have a much louder voice. And there'll be any type of restrictions or outline of things that we value and think are important. And well, so that co- I don't think of
0: hunting in New Zealand as any more at risk than hunting in america america and there it's only 1.4 percent and then canada yeah um is 3.4 percent they're less than us too and i don't think of them as in general more at risk when i of losing their hunting what i think of bringing more people into hunting first of all it's like i don't see i don't i mean the number of tags has gone up and up and up and up ever since the 80s like uh, like there's more hunting going on now, and there in the eighties there was forty percent fewer people, and um the living space per person in the eighties was half of what it's now, and that's what I use as my index of um development, so there's like way less acres to hunt now than there used to yeah. be so yeah. um what 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 uh what but i think bringing more people in in the advent since the advent of social media all that does is increase the chances some dumbass puts something stupid on the internet that like um leads to some form of hunting getting outlawed that's what happened with grizzly bears in british columbia you know they, they no, put something abs- like a, so like i i don't i don't think that like uh trying to bring more people in I don't see that as we're increasing the chances that there's hunting 50 years from now. Um, I, th- I think, I think it, bring, in- it increases the chances that it becomes a rich man's game. 50 I, years I, from now.
1: I think the idea, well, it, it absolutely, it, it very well. And, and that might be the way it, it, it would look again. It wouldn't be, I lived in England for a couple of years and, and I I got to hunt. I got to do a driven pheasant hunt over there. It was fun to do. Um, but I also confirmed for me that it's not the type of hunting I wanted to do, uh, here in the U S in North America, our, our common man approach to it, I believe is an integral element of the essence of what it is that we love and would not want that to change Agreed. or to become a, you know, Agreed. And so, so, and so to, if it yeah. was that, I think it, that is it, let's say 50 years from now, it was just the elite that got to do it. It's gone then in my oh, opinion. Yeah, agreed, stuff, agreed, right? <laughs> agreed. Yeah, agreed.
0: It's it's about the, to me, it's always been about the same thing. It's like that when I was a kid and now, it's the giddy sense that you got something by your wits. A you know, set of horns for the wall, whether it be that or like the food aspect is the most important part to me. But it's that giddy childhood sense that you got something by your wits. You know, so like, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly that if it's, if it is just a money thing, then it is gone.
1: Well, and I think exactly. And and that's what it will be because there are a lot of sentiments that, that are, that are probably growing that are against hunting. You know, look at, look at the gun issues, look at the, the anthropomorphizing of animals in society and this idea that, 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 that's out there. And so if it's a, a extremely small percentage of the population, which it already is a a small minority, but if it got even infinitesimally smaller, I think there absolutely are ways where it could say where there could be uh, regulations put in place where it says, you know what, can't do it anymore or in, in in such restrictive ways that it's only the elite, et cetera. so yeah,
0: um I mean we're both we're both speculating on whether the chances hunting is around in the future go up with the number of hunters or go down with the number of hunters and neither of us
1: really know. Exactly. That's that that's the essence of the uh, the yeah. of the issue which no, neither of us do know. You're you're exactly right. But for um for
0: for a very very long time it was received wisdom that more hunters secured the future of hunting.
1: I mean that I mean, was it- and and I do I do believe I mean I believe in my heart that that is it that's you could say because nobody can predict the future but I would say even you know we we never even went down the the the, the discussion of pathway of conservation and how it's funded et cetera and how wild spaces are funded today just think if those dollars weren't there from from excise tax and license sales
0: I'm very concerned about habitat and. But, for me, it's like what's destroying habitat more than anything now is too many hunters. like the place I go to trailheads with thirty or forty cars like it the that those areas a lot of these public land areas that um that people hunt in in my state um especially if they're like a you're walking in from the trailhead for the day, those areas are like inhospitable for wildlife, you know. So yeah. I think we do well to sacrifice some of the funding and give wildlife a break.
1: Well, and that's, and that's where I'm saying, I mean, th- those are specific issues now that need to be looked at, you know, in, by, and probably in, in smaller, in ways that are more micro level of, Hey, you know what? Too much pressure here. That, that is absolutely a problem, but it's beyond hunting too. It's just outdoor recreation in general in popular areas. You know, it's just get they're getting trampled and people who are now during the pandemic got into the outdoors for the first time, maybe don't understand the ethics of what it means to leave no trace and things like that. I just don't understand you know? why the non- nonprofits can't like,
0: and people that are into R3 can't go like, oh, crowding is a huge problem, you know, and then and then adopt the the most common sense solution. Let's stop having there be more hunters. Let's not, it's, you know what the nonprofits should do if they really cared about the existing hunting community is they should come out against hunting TV and um, hunting celebrities. Like (laughs) instead they buddy up with them and put them on their boards and shit like that. Like if you really cared about the existing hunting community, you'd you'd like be like, no, we, we support boycotting hunting TV and boycotting uh, grip and grinners on social media. Instead, they're like, "No, we need more hunters.
1: Crowding's an issue, but we need more hunters." You know. So you're, I mean, you are here. So I mean, where you're going with that? Um, I I think it's the aspect of of uh, there should be yes, absolutely overcrowding. Let's look at that issue. Let's look at that issue. You know, we we give such such a focus on access, uh, right? So I just watched this this video this morning. Of of uh, all the landlocked, you know, over 15 million acres of landlocked public lands, out you know, primarily out west. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we put a lot of focus on on access. Um, I think, you know, the the usage and respectful usage and and issues when it's not properly used, and it and it is maybe overcrowded. I think that's an important discussion that probably doesn't get enough disc enough enough. Um, Press enough ink, if you will, it does, and yeah, because is what people, you should do. <laughs> just because the people that write magaz write for magazines and
0: make podcasts and make hunting TV, they profit from there being more hunters, and they're a major contributor. That's why it's like the common man. Like if he has the common man, what's the biggest problem in hunting today? It will be like when I go out there, there's freaking people everywhere, you know. Um, but you don't hear that from the from the, from the people that have a voice. I mean, it's just I, like, that's why I started this podcast because <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to like talk about the stuff that is, is uh taboo among people in the hunting industry, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that's, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think these conversations, you know, when you ask me if I wanted to come on uh, you know, I'm like, I think having these conversations and, and having a, a good dialogue around a disagreement on the issues is, is important. How do you think um, we did? You don't think we disagre- disagreed? No, I said, how do you think we did? Oh, how do I think we we did on, our, on this conversation? Yeah. I think we, got, we did we got, good. It's
0: been an hour and a half. We
1: should probably. We should right? probably jump off. Yeah. I, yeah, th- um, but, I think it went well.
0: <laughs> okay. Like you'd come on with me again? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Good. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be more agreeable, you know, (laughs) Um, but, uh, Hey, I, I really, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and I'm trying to keep an open mind in this stuff. And now when I, I'm more warm to what you're doing now, because I don't think, I, I don't think that you and I don't think it's because I changed my mind. It's just because I have a better sense of what you're doing. It's well, not like you're trying to, I I agree with what you're doing in as much as it is, um, helping people that already have an interest in hunting instead of yeah. trying to create interest in hunting.
1: Well, e- exactly. No. And, and, and here's the thing, your point about manufacturing and I don't know, or, um, your, your point about, about manufacturing hunters, manufacturing interest. And I would say- One of my um,
0: axioms is that considerations of profit should play no role in inspiring people to hunt. That's one of absolutely. my fundamental axioms.
1: You know, and and that's the thing. So like for for me, well, I've had certain associations with brands a few times here or there. That's not the thrust of my focus. and And I actually, I'm sure- Irritate brands sometimes because I am always talking about lowering barriers to entry, of which financial and gear barriers are a huge part of the problem. I tell people, you got a pair of jeans. Now do you have a pair of high tops? If you don't have hunting boots, if you're gonna go hunt upland, that's fine. Just get one of those cheap penny vests. You know, you get down at Walmart, you get a you get a 870 pump or or a, or a uh, you know, a Remington 870 or a Mossberg 500, the cheapest gun made, uh, and a few shells and head, out there. Oh, and head yeah. out there. You don't need a dog, you know, and, and just go out there and not do not get caught up in this media gear obsession mm-hmm. because that there it's a problem. It, it, here's the thing. You think you look at them as as the reason why and and the source of the problem in recruitment. I actually look at them and go they're an impediment to recruitment because they're telling you you got to spend $10,000 oh, before you can oh, even get out there. Oh. <laughs>
0: that revolutionizes my thinking right there. Oh, I like the I like these guys more now.
1: Like. <laughs> Right. You're going to, you're going to start, you, you're going to get a sponsor for the podcast on the most expensive clothing around. Boy, this stuff
0: is expensive.
1: You got to have it. If you don't have this, you can't get out there. Get alone. Get one today. All right. Um,
0: Thanks so much. It was so much fun. If, if, uh, if, uh, my the rest of these that I record are even half this good. I'll be very, very, very pleased, even if nobody listens to them. So
1: you'll uh, you'll have fun with it. I hope I, I I I'm I'm sure you'll get a you'll get an audience.